glad to be in the house of God? I said, are you glad to be in the house of God? This is not one of those dead churches where we're getting together because we're pretending like we like each other. This is the church of the living God. There is more power in the name of Jesus than your life knows what to do with. Also, I need you to help me preach. You guys ready to go? Okay. Uh, did I say I'm Pastor Corey? This is Pastor Aaron, by the way. We would love to meet you out in the lobby after. We would love for you to take your next steps into Venue Church. And so, um, I had a frustrating thing this morning. The devil attacked my Scotiabank app as I was trying to give to the Lord. Can you imagine the banking industry, Sarah? Somebody in the banking industry needs to get on their knees and fix their apps. I do not want to steal from the Lord. Hey, there's something that I just want to share with, with you. Now, there's a reason I bring that up is that I'm a type of a person. I don't know if you're the type of a person that I just, I have to finish stuff. It's a probably like a thing that's like too much of a thing in my life. I love starting things. The middle I could care less about because there's too many emails and words and numbers. I don't care. I have to finish what I start. And, um, and so I opened the app this morning and I'm, I got stuff to do and I get here early, like many of you do. And I got stuff to do and I'm in the Scotiabank app and it's not working. And then I just try it again. And then I just try it again. And then I start getting a little worked up. There is something that I need to tell you that that's not that different than God, your heavenly father. He's not done with you. He's just not done with you. And you got to quit looking at your past. And I think you've got to look past today and realize there is so much more for me that God is not finished with yet. And he's obsessed about it. So when you think about your life, stop listening to the devil. Be like, I guess this is as far as you go. I guess this is as good as your marriage is going to get. I guess that your kid's always going to, I guess that you're always going to, why are you listen to what the devil says to you? Why don't you listen to what God, your heavenly father says? No, all I'm going to do is inject you with some power. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, in our sermon series, The Power Plant. And today's um, sermon is very cleverly titled, A Supernatural Ascident. It's like a power plant that has a nuclear meltdown. It's not an accident, it's an ascident. And uh, I'll explain that in a minute because some of you don't get it. Um, sometimes I think we fail because we stop moving forward. Now think about it like this, think about it like this. Sometimes we fail just because we're stupid, which I get. Sometimes we fail, though, because the moment that we get comfortable, we stop moving forward. You have to understand, God is not finished until every person in the world comes to himself. He is not done with you yet because he needs you to do that. And the minute that we get comfortable is the minute that we stop moving forward. And I think sometimes God is a good father that he just allows us to be in a situation that's a little too much for us and we fail. So he's like, oh, did you think that you were done? Did you think you had gone as far as you could go? Oh, there's so much more, but you can't do it in your own way. Last week we talked about uh, Peter going from the mountaintop of this experience where he's like... Jesus, you're the son of God. And Jesus is like, on this rock, I'll build my church. Peter, you did it. You finally had revelation from God. And then three verses later, he's like, get behind me, Satan. You totally didn't get that revelation from God. You got it from, we don't even know where you got it. 
And Peter goes from these highs and these lows. And I think that part of that failure is to create a hunger for what was coming in the person of the Holy Spirit in the way that Jesus promised it. Thanks, Sean. You know, I think, I think that I think we fail sometimes. I think stop looking at failure as this thing that's um, final. Failure is not final. I think failure is just a good indication that you're not God. And I think sometimes you forget that. You, you are God. You know, I go from being like, I think a really great dad. Uh, maybe I tell my kids all the time, I'm probably the world's best dad. Um, but then, but then we go from like these moments of like, yes, we did it. We did it at work. We did it in our marriage. And then like seconds later, we realized we didn't. Um, one time, uh, it was after Halloween and, uh, and I, I used to have a man cave that we watched TV and pastor Aaron and I, and I gave that up to come here and plant a church. So y'all are welcome. My man cave, man, it was beautiful. If somebody wants to build me a man cave, if you, if you like me as your pastor, maybe, maybe the Lord would say something to you about that. Even right now, that would be great. Um, so in our man cave, we'd be watching TV, and it was after Halloween, and so my daughter Katie had her room. Uh, I like it when you smile at me when I'm preaching, by the way. Look at Nicole. She's smiling at me. All the rest of you guys look like somebody ran over your cat, which should make, should make you happy, but you're not. And the, sorry, I don't like cats, whatever. I'm allergic to cats. Oh, this is going to be a good one. Okay. So we go from these moments of these highs. And uh, so I was, I was watching, you know, we were watching TV down there, Pastor Aaron and I. We'd watch TV in the man cave. And then I'd be like, hey, uh, go and sneak me a bag of chips from Katie's little Halloween stash. And so this happened like a couple of times or maybe three times. And then Katie one day comes over and she is uh, weeping. If you have kids, have you ever had a kid that's like, just like it is the end of their life right now? And she's weeping and just like, I can't believe somebody stole 27 bags of my chips. Who would do that? And I'm like, that that were me. You know, of course, Katie counted. Of course she counted. What was I thinking? Like that Katie wasn't going to know exactly how many bags. She probably counted the chips in the bag and counted the bags of chips. Is Katie in here? She's serving. Oh, I was going to be like, hey, sorry, this isn't much, but. All right. Don't eat that during the service. That will be too loud. Um, and we go from these moments and then Katie's got to build back trust with her dad, right? Because her dad just destroyed her life and everything bad is my fault. Um, and, you know, maybe trust was being, being built back a little bit. Um, one time she fell and she broke her until this. She fell and, and uh, she fell and hurt her arm. And then she's like, Dad, my arm really hurts. It doesn't feel right. And I did the cope, uh, cope thing, which is like pain is weakness leaving the body. I don't know. It feels okay. There's no bone sticking out or whatever. And I, I don't, you know, I don't like go to the hospital and stuff. So I'm just like, you know, I feel like I will repair myself or whatever. Or learn to live with the pain, you know. And so I did this, and she just kept pl- complaining day over day to mom and I. Like, mom, my dad doesn't feel, I just, you know, my arm doesn't feel good. I'd take her arm, and I'd be like, I don't know, it feels okay. And then she slides a note under the same man cave door that says, Please, oh, please, dad. My arm hurts so much. Why don't you believe me about my arm? So we take her to the hospital, and it was broken or whatever. I'm not like super broken. Uh, so she got a cast and for Katie to, to just 
distrust. You know, that's when the government takes your kids away from you and gives them to good people. <laughs> you know, I get that. I get that. That should have happened then. Um, Jesus is trying to prepare us for something from our Heavenly Father. And the reason that we don't go after it is because we have trust issues with him because we just have trust issues. Let's just be honest. People let you down. Nobody's perfect. Um, and we have trust issues. But God is like the parent of the year a million years in a row. And he's kind of going to get the next one. Never broken a promise. Never done anything wrong. Never needed to apologize. Not like you. You do need to apologize. You just don't. You're like, I'm trying to be like God. No, but he didn't do anything in the first place that was wrong. It's different. And so there's this whole idea of Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples and the world for something that I don't know if you have in the measure that you need to have it. In fact, I'm going to tell you that there's a reason I'm preaching this is that you don't. And so um, <laughs> why do we have trust issues with God? Now, I love Peter. Peter has highs and lows. Um, I'm going to share a controversial story with a con controversial spin. It says, after leaving the synagogue that day in the book of uh, Luke, uh, Luke was a doctor. Luke also wrote the book of Acts that we're going to be visiting later. Luke, Luke was a doctor. He wasn't a mystic. He wasn't a witch doctor. He was a doctor doctor. So he dealt with like real life. And so he's not being mystical here. He's like after, after leaving the synagogue that day or church that day, Jesus went to Simon's home, Peter's home, where he found Simon's mother-in-law very sick with a high fever. And so he's like, why didn't you bring your mother-in-law to church? And Peter's like, well, you know, she just wasn't looking that well. And so it's just like, you know, why, why do you just stay? We'll just go. Anybody have a mother-in-law? Is anybody a mother-in-law? I feel like that's where the danger would come from with, with where this is going. Okay, so Peter's like, you know what? Why don't you just stay? You don't look that great, but I'll probably be hungry when I get home. So if you could summon the energy to... <laughs> hey, Peter's just a guy, everybody. He's just a guy. Um, amen. Thank you. Everybody is deathly afraid of the woman they're sitting beside right now. Because all y'all women hunt in packs. Please heal her, everybody begged. And Peter's like, I, you know what? Not everybody gets healed. Jesus, you're tired. We've just been at church, you know? So sometimes heaven needs people more than we need people. And, you know, standing at her bedside, uh, Jesus rebukes the fever and it left her. And now we know why Peter betrayed Jesus. Come on, it's a classic church joke. And most of you didn't grow up in church. You've never heard it. So that's hilarious, right? It's hilarious. Okay. Listen. Peter is a guy like, like you, well, like me. He's a guy like me. He's like you are. He's a person that has highs and lows. You have good days. You have bad days. Uh, he's living next to, he's living around Jesus, the son of the living God. He's living so close to greatness, but his life is often mediocre. His life is, you know, he disappoints himself. He's just not there yet. Uh, like we're not there yet. And he experiences failure like daily, like we experience uh, failure. Now, when you live next to greatness, before you came into church and found out how you could really live, and you found out that Jesus can heal and fix and save, and oh my goodness, you know, out there, you, were just, you just had your other broken friends to compare yourself to. So you're like, well, at least I'm doing better than this person. Well, that person's not doing that well at all. But then you come in here, and all of a sudden you realize, like, there's this whole life that I could be living and then, but then what happens is Jesus is close to this, or Peter is, and he starts realizing, I'm so, I'm so close to it, but I'm so far from it at the same time. And it starts weighing on your soul a little bit, like, I'm not there yet. And I'm, um, it weighs on us, because if the words of Christ are true, I mean, 
He hung on a cross and bled out and died, the Prince of Heaven, to save you. What an incredible investment. And I don't know how that makes you feel, but I'm, I'm, when I'm like, I'd better be worth the investment. Then you start getting worried about it. Then you start realizing, I'm not, I don't know if I'm doing that really well. I, it's a high expectation that you live under. Like, you were paid for it. It's such a high price. Am I returning the investment to God that he made? Like, that? how could I ever do that, you know? And Peter's living in this sort of disappointment that maybe you're, now somebody out there is thinking about quitting right now. You're so close to greatness, but you're just thinking like, I'm just going to quit my marriage and start over again. And starting over is not easier than God repairing what you've already got because that's where the strength comes from is the repairing of the broken things. You're like, that doesn't make any sense. You're not God. You're not God. He can do it and he can make us stronger. You think starting over is going to, it's not going to. Somebody wants to trade their teenagers in right now. We don't want them. You keep them. Somebody's thinking about quitting their career or their work. Somebody is thinking about quitting church. You live so close to it and you got to live in the disappointment and it's hard. And you feel close, but you feel so far from it. You're just not plugged into the right socket yet. And this sermon series, I might not throw the whole invitation out today. I wanted to build in your soul into this place where I'm like, so that when we give you the right socket to plug into called the Holy Spirit in a particular way that Jesus promises, that you actually go and do it. Because some people just get kind of close and they're like, hey, I'm sort of close. I can feel the electricity. We're like, but you're not plugged into it yet. Because you're not lined up with your purpose yet. Because you don't, listen, you don't need the power to be personally happy. Can I tell you this? You'll never be personally happy until you're on mission and purpose and reaching your destiny. Your destiny, ready? Here's what we say at Venue. Your purpose is to connect with God and people. You can't do that till you connect somebody else with God and people. So listen, your destiny is not even about you. You can't get personally happy. This is why you'll never work out your own baggage. Because the cost of working out your own baggage is higher than the price you'll pay because you won't be happy doing it. Because it's hard. Until you get lined up with purpose and destiny, that's what you need the power for. So sometimes we come and we're like, God, give me all the things. And he's like, for what? So you can live the rest of your life like the last part of your life where you did everything for yourself. You'll never be happy that way because I didn't make you that way. That's what God is saying. Luke chapter 11. You, you fathers, Jesus says, hey, fathers, we got any dads in the house? Put your hand in the air. Dad, I'm a dad. World's the best dad. Uh, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, you want to give them a snake? No, why, you know, listen, Jesus is not dumb, guys. Why is he saying this? Why is he saying this so ridiculously? He goes, uh, if they ask for an egg omelet, you're going to make them a scorpion? You're going to be like, Dad, my omelet hurts. <laughs> why on earth is Jesus saying this? You, if you grew up reading this, this seems normal to you. If you're new in church the first time, you're like, this Bible, I got to read this because it's crazy. It makes no sense at all. He's saying it for a reason. Of course not, he says. Of course not. God is not out to trick you or to tease you or to promise you something he's not going to do. One time at a church potluck in my dad's church, I, uh, I'm like, hey, Derek. It was this kid in the church. I'm like, Derek, do you like pickles? And he goes, yeah. I'm like, here's a pickle. But it was a jalapeno. 
I don't know what I was thinking. I thought it was, I thought it was funny until he's crying and his mom is like the opposite of crying. And uh, I think we're so used to having promises unfulfilled that we start like painting God with that brush and be like, you're just going to be like everybody else. You're just going to promise something that you're not going to do. And Jesus is like, this is so ingrained in your society because you're so fallen. But he's like, you've got to stop thinking of God like he's some trickster. And I heard growing up in church culture, if you're new to church, this won't make any sense. But I grew up in church culture and I heard people whose theology, ready, afforded them a lot of control, but not a lot of fruit. And theology is just how you think about God. And I'm like, any theology that affords you the control is not going to give you any fruit. Or like very little fruit. But when Jesus is coming, he's like, I'm looking for a lot of fruit in your life, which is the people that you are helping. How did I get off on that? Fruit. Theology. Whatever. I'm just going to keep moving. Pretend that it didn't happen. Theology, church people, whatever. Um, I'll get back to it. Then Jesus says, so if you sinful people, that means of a diseased condition know how to get this other thing in society. Can I just get to it too? Like, hey, we're basically born good. Said nobody with children. (laughs) Said nobody who was a child. Who are these people? It's society that corrupted us. I'm like, well, fair enough. But I think that society was made up of people. So I think it was going to happen one way or the other. I'm just saying. If you know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Give the what? Well, I thought that I already had the Holy Spirit. See, this is what the theology that I kept hearing was. So you got to be careful of that Holy Spirit. Yeah, said the devil. Um, but I heard church people say it. you got to be careful of the Holy Spirit. you got to be speaking in tongues, man. It's going to get crazy, you know. you got to be careful because you might get filled with the devil, is what I heard. Why do you think Jesus just told us, like, it's not a scorpion omelet, guys. If you ask your father for something, how can the devil give you something? Were you asking the devil for the devil? It's just a ridiculous theology that people had. This idea of like, well, you got to be careful. If you get the Holy Spirit, like maybe the devil's going to sneak in there. I'm like, I don't think the devil's as strong as you give him credit for. And if you're not asking the devil for something, why do you think he's going to? God's going to be like, oh my God, here's the Holy Spirit to Pastor and the Holy Spirit to Renee. Laden gets the devil. (laughs) Like I just like, I only had, I only had two of the spirit and I, that's what you get. I'm, you know, oops. (laughs) give the Holy Spirit. It just sounds too good for it to be true. It sounds too good that God would give us the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives when we're so used to striving for everything. Well, it's good to work behaviors in from the outside in, but your behaviors unlock the power of the Spirit, which have power over the devil every single time. So, but the trouble is, here's the trouble. If I'm failing at just being like a regular Christ follower that's not really even on mission, the mission is pretty big. Peter's feeling this. He's like, I can't even get my own crap together. How am I going to like leave the city and bring the gospel to the world? I'm failing here. I think it's that disappointment gap that we're worried about. Like, what am I going to do here? Like how, if I'm failing here, what am I going to, well, Jesus is like, well, yeah, no, but it's not going to be with your own power. What you're trying now is under your own power. That's why you're failing. Now this is talking to how much more will the, and this is the, the theology common in my day when I was a child was, You already have the Holy Spirit, which is true, when you become a Christ follower. And I'll explain that in just a minute. How closely will I explain it? In a sec. Um, But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The devil can't stop the power of the Holy Spirit, so he's got to stop you from getting it. 
He can't stop you from getting it if God wants to give it to you. So all he can do is stop you from asking for it. That's where he fights the battle. He can't beat the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit gets all over your life. He can't stop the Holy Spirit. He's never been able to. He just stops you from asking. But then we got, we got to dig into a couple of these. Like nobody, listen, nobody asks for what they think they already have. And then I heard Christians constantly telling me, like, I have all of the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, you in that tiny little weird body have managed to become part of the Trinity. You have all of the Holy Spirit, do you? You had an experience at camp when you were seven. Congratulations. You're not seven anymore. You need way more of the Holy Ghost now than you needed when you were seven. So this is, this is in the Old Testament, when you look at the Old Testament, Egypt represents your life in sin. We escape Egypt by giving our lives to Jesus. Your destiny is the promised land. Where does Israel end up? This is why we don't talk about too much in church, because it's super depressing. The wilderness. Now, an entire generation died in the wilderness. We have freedom group so that you don't die in the wilderness and just drag your baggage around forever. Freedom group is like, hey, we need to go in the past so Jesus can redeem it so that you can walk into your future. That 40 years they spent there where an entire generation died, it was actually an 11-day journey, so give it a month if you're going to take some breaks. God wants you to go through freedom group. And if you're in freedom group, why are you stopping and pulling back right now? We don't want to have these same conversations with you when your marriage falls apart three years from now. I'm like telling you, God, you have a window of opportunity. The wilderness can be short, but here's the problem. We hated Egypt, but we don't hate the wilderness. We don't hate the part where Peter's at right now where he's, he's failing and he doesn't like it. And he, he, he's, he doesn't quite hate it because he's so disappointed. He doesn't know what to do with it. But people who, who don't hate the wilderness start loving Egypt again. Because don't they say like, hey, we're going to get us a leader and go right back there because at least we had all the hamburgers that we wanted. And Joshua and Caleb were like, I mostly remember getting whipped a lot. We forget what it's like because we're in the wilderness. We're not in the promised land. But listen, if escaping Egypt was scary, the promised land is even scarier. They walk in there and they're like, oh my goodness, these giants are way bigger than the Egyptians were. Beating that addiction is way bigger than... You know what they say of themselves? We were like grasshoppers in our own eyes compared to these guys, these giants. Do you see yourself as a grasshopper? Why not like I see myself as a baby next to them or a toddler or a seven-year-old? Human though, right? Not like I see myself as a grasshopper with those weird like backwards legs. Wilderness does weird stuff for you. You're not supposed to stay in the wilderness. Listen, who cares if you escape Egypt if you die in the wilderness, church? This is not a church that loves the wilderness. We hate the wilderness. We want to get through the wilderness as quickly as we can. Get you to where God called you to go. But listen, there's giants out there, all right. But the bigger they come, the bigger the Holy Spirit gets. Here's the next thing. God would obviously give me more of the Holy Spirit if I needed the Holy Spirit. I kept hearing this when I was a child. Like if I needed, God would give me. Because God gives to people who need. But then we get very confused because we're like, the world needs something right now. And God's got it, but he won't give it. And then God becomes this weird, arbitrary, angry, sinful, because he must be allowing, right? Well, how all these people get hurt, and then you blame God. You know, if I was God, I would be really super angry at you for 
painting me with the brush that you should be painting the devil with? You think God is breaking the world? No. The currency of heaven and the power of God is not, it's like going to the store and trying to buy, buy stuff with Monopoly money. They'd be like, are you crazy? This isn't a thing. And then we get mad at God because he won't accept Monopoly money. Heaven does not respond to need. It responds to faith. Faith. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who need him? Who ask him? If you get, every time you holler, somebody sticks a lollipop in your mouth. You think that's something heaven can get behind. I want a new car. Are you the queen of England? I would be a terrific queen of England, by the way. I've watched the movie The Queen. I love that movie. I love that classy old lady. I would have been an incredible queen. Noble, royal. I say this all the time, and my wife is like, you've got to stop saying that. I'm like, I love the queen. Long live the king, but I love the queen. Only the king gets everything he wants without asking for it. You know what I'm saying? You're not at the top of the food chain anywhere. You don't have because you don't ask. Why? God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Proud people don't ask for stuff. They just expect it. Well, I shouldn't, my child shouldn't have to ask for me to feed them. Sure they should. Jesus' dad did. Give us this day our daily bread. Like, God, if you, could you? Your pride can't remain intact if you've got to ask somebody for something that you need that you don't deserve. Your pride dies and God gives grace to the humble. You can't come through the gates of heaven proud. Like, I have this need and Jesus died for me and I'm special, so give it to me. Like, sorry? You can ask? It's the same with the Holy Spirit. Well, God's going to give me more of the Holy Spirit if I need it. No, it's monopoly money. You have to ask. I just gave you the key for it. You're like, well, I don't like that key. I don't care. Then don't ask and go someplace else. But around here, we hate the wilderness. We want to ask because somebody needs us to ask. It's not about us working through our garbage. It's about us by the power of the Holy Ghost moving on so that we can help somebody else reach their destiny. In our marriages, this is why we're like, well, it's Pastor Aaron's job to figure me out. And it is. And I'm complicated. No, I'm, no, I'm not complicated. I'm weird. No, you know what? From her point of view, it might be her job to kind of figure me out. From my point of view, I got to ask her for what I need, though. Well, I shouldn't have to ask. No, only proud people get everything without asking. Well, I might get rejected. Yep. Brings humility. Grace to the humble. You know, James, the brother of Jesus, says, hey, if anybody's sick, take a bunch of vitamins. And he says, go to the elders of the church. Ask them to anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. One of our staff, Crystal, was, uh, was sick. She'd been sick for like three weeks, kicking this cough. And so we're like, we should probably just pray for her. Uh, so we got oil. There was a bunch of different oils, and we found some oil. And we thought, well, like, what's the most biblical oil? We thought, like, olive oil, right? That makes sense? That's what we used anyways. And so... But this idea of James is like, no, he's not gonna, God's not going to heal you just because you need it. You're like, but that doesn't make any sense. I should go to the doctor. And you might need to go to the doctor. I don't know any good ones, but. 
No, 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 I'm not saying. <laughs> no, seriously, I don't. Um, no, 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 maybe. But James, the brother of Jesus, is like, why don't you go to God first? Go first and ask. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. And Jesus is like, throw the net over on the other side of the boat. You're like, you're a carpenter. He's like, I made the fish. I made your bodies. Why do you care? All right. Um, Acts chapter 1. This is Luke. This is the same doctor that the Holy Spirit has, is speaking through. See, there's a sickness of the soul that you're never going to beat in your flesh, in your soul. You can't beat it inside your soul. And we've been talking about this. You need to listen to the last uh, sermon. It was the foundation of this. Once when he was eating with them, Jesus suggested... Well, that's super irritating about Jesus. He thinks that he's God and stuff. And <laughs> Some of y'all are walking around like the Ten Commandments are suggestions. Or that this is a suggestion. Like, well, I don't know if I feel comfortable. Like, I don't care if you feel comfortable. Do you want to obey Jesus? Because that's also the only way to get to heaven, too, is just like obeying salvation. Just like, okay, I know you do. Like, okay. Um, do not leave Jerusalem. Don't even try it. Don't even try to get out there and do it until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. And there's some theology I'm going to fix here in just a sec for you. If you grew up in a place that didn't quite quite understand it, I think, or, or by understand it, I mean read. <laughs> read it. Don't create a theology based on your experience, please. Create it on based on what the scripture says. Don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift, as I told you before. John baptized your bodies with water. He's already spoken to Nicodemus, like, your spirit is reborn through water. I mean, there's this idea of water, of the word. Your spirit is born inside of you, spirit, soul, body. Spirit is inside of you. But John baptized your, your bodies with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit to fix that soul, which is really the problem. And your mind, your will, and your emotions, right? Then he says, but you will receive power. You've been playing an acoustic guitar. Nobody cares about acoustic guitars. <laughs> playing an electric guitar. Everything sounds awesome on an electric guitar. Everybody say it. No. It's the difference between power and not power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. He's like, here's what it's for. Not your personal happiness. No, you'll, you'll get happy. It's a byproduct of doing your mission. Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You're like, well, hold on, but, but I get the Holy Spirit within me. And this is another, the other piece. Yeah, the moment you, do, you follow Jesus, this is what happens. Jesus says in John 4, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. So yeah, the Holy Spirit within you, clearly, like within you, giving you enough to get to heaven. Like, congratulations, you won't be thirsty again. What about everybody around you who is, though? Who the mission is? And so the Holy Spirit within us, because salvation has to stand apart, to give us power to get to heaven. Salvation, the Holy Spirit upon us to give us power for what we're really on this earth to do, which is greater than any of us. Now, that word power, the, do not leave Jerusalem, power. That word power until the Holy Spirit... Hold on, i got to actually read this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That word power, you want to know what it translated? I'm a biblical scholar. Are you ready? For performing miracles. Somebody need a miracle in their life? Somebody needs something that you're never going to get past with all the counseling in the world. Somebody need a miracle in an addiction. 
Somebody need a miracle. Something has worked on the inside to the outside. Where you're like, I just don't even need it anymore. For performing miracles. Ready? Power for moral. It's moral power and excellence of soul. Of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Finally, dad doesn't have to be angry anymore and mom doesn't have to lie. Finally. Power and resources are rising from numbers. Like, oh, you just needed more. You just needed more in the army. Power consisting in armies and forces. Power to get you past that slave mentality. Of like, I just got to get mine because there's only so much to go around. Jesus is like, oh, no, there's so much more coming. You have no idea. I just need to teach you about the mission so that you can give, so that I can pour out more, so that you can, so that I can pour out more, so that you can. Upon you. Superimposition of. This means superpowers, everybody. It's literally saying all you're doing right now in the wilderness is getting bit by regular spiders. You need to get bit by a radioactive spider. By a spider. Come on. Now. Like you're like, put the cape on, let's go. Superimposition of. Something comes over you when you're praying for somebody, and it's the Holy Ghost that's speaking to you and telling you, and the power is flowing from you to the other person. An impartation of the Holy Spirit. Something that takes charge of you, that takes over you. If your theology affords you much control, it will afford you very little fruit. This affords you no control and a whole lot of fruit because it all belongs to God. You're like, I don't even know. I don't even know that this sermon makes sense to you. But you're going to tell me that it does later. Why? I'm not that smart. It's the Holy Spirit imparting something to you. The supernatural power of the Holy Spirit is no accident. It's an accident. 100% predictable, 100% attainable, 100% commanded. Why are we talking like this is a choice? You a follower of Jesus? Now, I don't know if I want you to kind of go all the way today and get everything. Some of you are hungry enough that you will. I'm going to build. I just, I got to, we got to hate the wilderness first. We got to hate it so bad that we're just so tired of living in that old flesh. But Jesus says, I tell you, when it says, ask and you shall receive, that word actually means keep on asking. In this translation, I think they get it right. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. This is not a one-time thing. Like, I asked, and I guess that's all I got. <laughs> Jesus is like, keep on. Did the door open? Did the door open? Are you there yet? Did you get everything yet? You might have had a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit one month ago. Get another one. Get more. You need so much more. The task in front of us is daunting to anybody who doesn't have more of the Spirit. When you get more of the Spirit, it's daunting, but it's daunting to the devil. He's the only one worried about that. Now, if you don't ask, you will be a liability in this war. You will be easy to offend. You will be hard to heal. You will carry your past around. You will carry your addictions around. You will carry your issues of the soul around with you. And take good Christians out of the fight to get you to the medic constantly. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the power is unreal and unbelievable. It is supernatural. It is so much more than anything that you could ask or think. I think sometimes, though, that the enemy 
It's like God has given us a sword and we're like, you know what? We're worried about that sword because it's heavy. We don't know how to use it. It's sharp. We're going to take a toilet plunger instead. And then the devil's like, I'm super afraid of the toilet plunger. Oh no, it's the guy with the toilet plunger. God wants you to dial into some real power so you can get past those things in your family line that have haunted you and the pride and the lust and the guilt. God has so much more for you than you could ever even ask or think, but you don't get anything until you ask for it. Now, we've been talking about the promised land. Jesus says, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. There's no promised land without the promise. But don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Holy Spirit coming upon you. Lord, we ask for forgiveness where we have stopped short of the door opening. We've stopped short of receiving everything that the Lord has told us and commanded us to do. That was us and that was not you, Lord. We're not going to blame you for that anymore. That was us. All we, look, if all we could do was knock, then that's all that we were supposed to do. And just keep knocking and keep asking. Well, we're asking now. Father, we need the Holy Spirit. This church needs the Holy Spirit. This city needs the Holy Spirit. This nation needs the Holy Spirit. Now more than ever, we are asking you, would you send the Holy Spirit to fall upon us? The same God that poured out the power of the Holy Spirit on the early church, may it pour it out on this church. And may we be witnesses, not just in this city, but to the edges of the world, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.